On today's show, Isaac Okoro, what was he last year? And what does that mean for his future in Cleveland? We're going to break that all down on a new episode of Locked On Cavs for Tuesday, May 23rd. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. on the way in is from our friends at Astro Radio. New album out from them, by the way. Go check it out. I'm Chris Manning, covering the Cavs and the NBA for outlets like SB Nation, Cleveland Magazine, the Just Basketball Show, and more. That man over there in the Nike golf hat and the black tee, if you're watching on YouTube, is Evan Damerel, the founder of independent site Right Down Euclid, which covers the entire Cleveland sports scene, as always. We have Jake Stevens producing Check Out the Marrier as well. Thanks again for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Create an account, use the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase, last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Isaac Okoro is the subject of today's show. Segment one, what he was last year. Segment two, he's extension eligible. What is, does that mean anything for him? And segment three, is he part of the core? That is the big question, but I think we need to build to it, Evan. So, but Evan, when we start to look at this past year for Isaac Coro, what was he? How do you sum up his season? So I think a lot of us, myself included, expected a bit of a leap from Isaac Coro heading into year three. Um, it's just safe to assume that any player entering their third season professionally just kind of takes some type of leap in in terms of recency bias, we saw Darius Garland have quite the leap uh, in his third season. And I, I granted, I didn't expect Okoro to be like an all-star or like a superstar level player all of a sudden. And I knew what he was in terms of the defensive side of things. And there's always room for improvement. And he got better. But like offensively, I had high expectations. And he didn't quite meet them 100%. Um, there's a take you have that I kind of disagree with you with. But it's hard to fully gauge what Isaac Okoro can be as a player because he has been kind of put in an unfortunate circumstance every step of, of the way in his career with Cleveland. He comes in the COVID-shortened season, and then year two, that's when Evan Mobley's rookie season kicks off, and the expectations flip dramatically, where the Cavs have to find this balancing act of player development and trying to win because the Cavs are ripping off wins left and right. And then year three for Okoro is when they acquired Donovan Mitchell, and that really shakes things up because now the expectation is playoffs and something beyond the first round. And again... The Cavs don't have the time or space to afford Isaac Okoro opportunities to miss a couple shots to maybe find his rhythm and flow on offense, or maybe they have to put him in a box, as GP Pickerstaff said, uh, heading into year three for Okoro, and they never really let him out of the box, it felt like at times, and there are moments where there are highs, there are moments that are lows, and uh, I'm still not quite 100% sure what to fully comprehend when it comes to just like looking and analyzing Isaac Okoro with this current iteration of the Cavs. So look, I, I think Okoro, I think the Mitchell point is is a key one because Mitchell is someone who's going to come in and take away opportunities, take away shots from other players because he's Donovan Mitchell. He's one of the best offensive players in the league. That is going to further consolidate Okoro's role, and he's already in a consolidated role, right? The numbers, at the very least, I think indicate some form of progression for him. Seventy six games. 
6.4 points, 36.3% from three on 2.3 attempts per game, and the highest three-point rate of his career. He, look, he's not ever going to be Duncan Robinson or Max Drews or, Pitt or Kyle, prime Kyle Korver and just letting shots fly. That, that is not like what he is going to do. He's not going to be Ray Allen out here just pulling up and coming off the screens and pin downs. But I think last year you saw him be more willing to shoot. He's 49.4% from the field overall, 36.6% at catch and shoot threes. I think he shot it more willingly. He's, again, not the loosest guy in the world, but he, he was at least more willing to shoot last season, I think. And I think he got more confident as the season went. Evan, before we started recording, one of the things that I, I just think, the moment he had in Brooklyn, that to me felt like it could have been a catalyst for things to come. The game-winning shot he hits. Mm-hmm. That felt like a culmination of things for a core. And it doesn't yeah. happen. He, the, he gets hurt, doesn't come back. He only shoots 30% from the field in the playoffs, was clearly not trusted. That, to me, felt like a, like a play at the very least that he was not making. Or that game winner in Brooklyn, I don't think... A, I, the game winner in Brooklyn was not a play he was making in his first two years of his career. I, I fully believe that. Yeah, I... Nor was it a play that he was making um, come postseason time either. I think that injury, but like that, but he, that flared that's, up. That's, that's, I, I, that's, I'm, I'm getting, it, I'm getting into it. I'm getting into it. I think that injury flare up against the Rockets that happened soon after that game winner was like probably one of the biggest momentum killers for Isaac Okoro's development and just confidence as a player because it's a two way street because the coaching staff's confidence wavered in him come postseason time. And to your point, like that is what you want from Isaac Okoro where. If the defense is sacking off of him, and I've asked him several times, like, hey, do you ever feel any disrespect? And he's honest about it. He's just like, no, I have to make those shots. And in that moment where Karis LeVert, who has a propensity to maybe jack up ill-advised shots, uh, sought out Okoro in the corner who had no defenders or coverage on him whatsoever, and Okoro hit that with confidence, and you want him doing that. Like, he doesn't need to be a guy, as you said, like, ripping it like prime Kyle Korver, or even playing like Kyle Kuzma does now, or just like anyone on the Hawks or the Rockets in the prime of James in their prime of James Harden and things like that. Like you don't need him ripping three pointers constantly, but you want him to keep, and this is again, a buzzword. If you listen to this show often, like you want him to be able to keep defenses honest from the perimeter. So if they do sack off of him, because naturally they will, because he's not like a plus plus three point shooter, but for him to kind of just make defenses pay for that more often than not, maybe 55 to 60% of the time, like you want him doing that in terms of just wide open three pointers like that. And, that injury against Houston just killed a lot of that momentum, and I'm sure the confidence didn't waver, but just like the rust was hard to shake off because when he was coming back, it's the postseason. It's really hard to find a rhythm and stride at that in that window, and then it like it just it killed all momentum heading into year four, or even just at the, the cap off kind of like a pretty not up and down season, like you said, just looking back at the entire body of work. But like there are moments that were bad for Isaac Accord, and you're like, okay. He went through some BS. Like, he was outright out of the rotation at points. Um, he was a starter. He wasn't a starter. He found his niche. He found his role. Like, he was starting to gel with the starting unit. And it, it just imploded because a knee injury flared up against the Rockets. Worth noting, too, in the playoffs, just 30.8% from three. Teams did ignore him. The, the, the improvement in the numbers did not translate to teams in their scouting report, the Knicks in their scouting report, saying, we have to respect that guy. I think that clearly showed up for the Cavs. He only played like 15 minutes a game in the playoffs. And it was, it felt very clear that bigger staff didn't trust him. Like I, he is not a perfect player. 
I, I don't know like how much like what how you where it goes for him offensively. I'm still just a fan. It's a good defender, good point of attack guy. This rated out as his best defensive season by most metrics. I do think like this wasn't like a great season. Mm-hmm. This was like a fine season. I think this was his best season. And I I did come away in the playoff stuff, even with the shots. I he didn't look overwhelmed to me in a way that I I don't think he could hang in, in sixteen games. But that that's that's a whole other conversation. All right, we're going to talk mm-hmm. about his extension after this. He is now extension eligible. I would be surprised if he got an extension. I would be too. We will explain that coming up because, boy, I don't, I don't even know how you evaluate that. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Buying tickets for your favorite events should not be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. They have flash deals on last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area, images of seat views. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. You can forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. You get exclusive flash deals too on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Plus. The game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or row for less, game time will create you 110% of the difference. Snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time back, create an account, and use the code locked in NBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code locked in NBA for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guarantee. All right, thanks for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Every day, as we are going to be back tomorrow, looking at three other Cavs forwards, Dean Wade, Jetty Osmond, and Lamar Stevens, what they were and how they might fit into Cleveland's plans. Evan, I, I can't see a world where we can look at Isaac Okoro and properly gauge what his value is. Is that unfair? I don't think it is, just because... Again, the circumstances were certainly out of his control, but the timeline for Isaac Okoro's development and what we knew of him as a player coming out of Auburn is he wasn't fundamentally broken in terms of scoring, at least in terms of shooting, but he needed work, he needed fine-tuning, he needed patience and opportunities to develop. He certainly had a lot more of that in year one than he did in year two and year three, and it's hard to properly gauge what he can or cannot be as a player, especially just because like you saw the peak of his confidence or maybe the apex of him as a player just at this juncture uh, in that Brooklyn game. Um, so the luxury of him being extension eligible doesn't mean the Cavs are like being held uh, uh, like gunpoint at gunpoint just to sign him to an extension this summer. They do have the luxury of at least kicking the can down the road another year to see what he is or isn't as a player. And maybe either he is used as a trade asset, which I know it's been reported in the ether that the Cavs don't like view him as like a non or an untouchable piece rather. And they would, you know, entertain the thought of trading him. And like, that's, that makes sense because they don't have many first round picks available to use. And Okoro has that pedigree at least, and maybe some intrigue from teams that could take a swing on him. But no, I don't think it's a hot take at all. Just to say like, yeah, if you can extend this a little bit further, to avoid signing him to an extension right away, which the money kicks in at the same time, no matter what. Um, it's just there's more questions than there are answers right now about Isaac Okoro's overall fit with the team. Like, I think the vision is there. You just need a more 
complete body of work of him functioning well as that like two-way connective piece between Mitchell and Garland on offense and Mobley and Allen on defense, where he's just like the fifth banana in the starting lineup that is very comfortable giving you eight to 10 points a night and really solid point of attack defense. And that's a premium commodity in the NBA, sure. But like you need to see a little bit more signs of growth before you can fully commit to it, I think. Yeah, he'll be so you could run this out and have him be a restricted free agent and have him test the open market and run it up that way. You very well could do it that way. I think that you could very well do that way just to kind of see what you manage the costs are. Um, it's been a report. Jake Fisher had this a while ago, uh, I think since he's been at Yahoo, but if not, it was when he was at BR that Okoro's camp, like he wants to be in Cleveland. Uh, that, that is like at least what they're putting out there in the ether a little bit. Um, he does have kind of a, a different agent situation. Like he's represented by young money. And then there's like a management group in there as well. So like, it's not, it's a different like center of power, let's say than like clutch or CAA or, or Excel or any of these other agencies. I don't know what that matters in this, but it's just it's it's a data point at the very least. I I also have in in, the, in this thinking about the extensions out of it, it makes it hard for me to gauge like what his trade value should be. I think like Okora will probably settle in as a guy that is a rotation ish level player on a play. I don't think optimally for the Cavs if he's, even if he sticks around, he's going to be your starting three in like a year. I, I think you're mm-hmm. so looking to upgrade on that spot, but I, I wonder like what other teams would even look at that as because he like you could say yes he's still pretty young and like all the COVID stuff and and his development's been weird and you know maybe he just needs a little more room to breathe but if you trade for him you're kind of signing up to pay him and I like that that makes this so hard for me to gauge it's like if you look at like okay you captured Ojai Baji for example Utah gets the runway of a rookie contract you develop him and figure him out it's just different with the core because he's closer to needing you needing to decide on him in in some capacity and that that makes i think it trickier to be like this is what he could fetch you as part of a of a package or whatnot yeah it is tricky because you're 100 percent right and if a team does trade for isaac okoro they are at least i don't want to say 100 percent committing to it because you you have seen teams trade for players and then let them walk soon after just because it just wasn't a fit and maybe like if they're able to buy low enough on okoro sure that makes sense but I don't really like like who in the ether realistically could want Isaac Okoro. Maybe it's a rebuilding team. Maybe it's like Detroit, or maybe it's Houston, or and but Houston's weird because James Harden reportedly is going back there, and maybe they swing for the fences and go get Jalen Brown from Boston and become an overnight a contender and Yimi Udoka head coach. Like I, it's... I, I don't I I don't want Okoro I, for Okoro's sake. I feel like him and Har he, he would. Him and Harden would be like hilarious in terms of just how they're wired. Yeah, it would be like Harden's obviously better, but yeah, well, yeah, uh, one one is a former MVP and one is not. Just one, like, one, one is like very tough, and one is James Harden. Fair enough. Um, and just in terms of like scoping his value and i know it's not like a great metric but locked on podcast network has been doing a ongoing mock draft series and while you've been busy with your day job i have time to kind of blow people up on twitter or through text or other things just say like hey what can i do to get x player or this draft pick because i was trying to wheel and deal and i had a lot of dominoes in place and it fell apart because a certain player was drafted far too early uh based on the 12th pick and I was talking with um, some of the, guy, uh, the the folks at Locked on Thunder, and 
Um, I offered him Isaac Okoro, and at the time it was the 10th pick, and I said, can I trade back for 12 and get Kendrick Williams for it? And he's just like, honestly, no. He's like, I will give you a first-round pick and a future first because he didn't want to pay Okoro future money with that logic. And two, he's just like, I don't see a ton of upside with it because I think Okoro is a bit of an odd fit most teams just because that three-point shot is so sus at times that like if it was more of a reliable attribute or like i said kept defenses honest it would be easier to maybe view him as a tradable asset but we'll see um i i think realistically like there is a pathway for him to stay in cleveland i think there's an agreeable contract that they could keep him in cleveland under and they can kick the can down the road again and also, the Cavs are a team that is in, that are incredibly top-heavy in terms of salary, and like they need to find not cost-controlled depth, but like depth that maybe they develop in-house and spend a lot of time, energy, and resources to use as a complementary piece to what you've assembled in terms of this quote-unquote core four. And then you pivot things, and like I agree with your point, like he's not your permanent answer to the starting three, but at least just based on what Cleveland has right now, he makes more sense than Jetty Osmond, Dean Wade, or even Karis LeVert, because I think LeVert's best suited as a six-man. More likely to be in the team a year from now, Isaac Okoro, Karis LeVert, or Jetty Osmond? A year from now? Probably, well, Karis LeVert, just because he's an understreet this year, and I think he'll sign at least a two-year deal. Uh, depends on the terminology of it, but I think it's going to be Levert, then Okoro, then Osman. Yeah, I could just see them like signing Levert and like trading him pretty immediately. Like I, I could see a world where Lakaris Levert is like gone in February. February could make sense, but Kobe Altman's reservation to trade Karis Levert does seem foolhardy in terms of just the asset management part of it but like altman did say that they found a nice role for levert as the sixth man he was gelling well with the lineup like the advanced numbers and just everything in general said like levert was functioning well with this Cavs team and yeah he could be a trade chip if like something does materialize or something becomes available that's like a clear bona fide upgrade for the Cavs, or something dramatic could happen too between now and then whoever knows it's the nba but I don't, I don't see Levert being gone in February. If anything, like Levert is more tradable next summer, um, especially if he's able to kind of sustain a lot of just really strong momentum despite a pretty shaky postseason. Coming up, we're going to talk about Okoro and if he should be part of the core in some way, shape, or form, which the Cavs seem to say no, but we'll, we'll discuss that in our own view here. But first... Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. To play, pick two to five players, and if they score more or less than their prize pick entries, you win. You can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. There's no competing against other people. It is just you versus the projections available. Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch. This includes the NBA, the NFL, MLB, college basketball, soccer, WNBA, and many, many more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It is that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. If you deposit 100, PrizePix will give you 100. If you deposit 50, PrizePix will give you 50. Don't forget to enter our promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. So look, 
as far as Okoro and the core goes, he is not. I think it is possible he gets sent out in a deal for an upgrade this summer. I also haven't came away from the playoffs thinking, if you are not going to play him there, if you don't trust him right there and then, despite, I think, some of the positives he brought you and some of the drawbacks, if you didn't trust him to play through it in those in that situation for whatever reason, I wonder if it's maybe time for his sake and yours that you you move on and try to find someone you do trust. If that is truly like the case, if you're not going to trust him, then then maybe you sh- it's in your best interest to go f- use him to get someone that the coaching staff would trust enough and, and would maybe be more effective in theory. But again, it's hard to gauge his value. It's hard to gauge any of that for based on what he's been. I don't know what other teams fully think of that, of him and, and what he is. But if you don't trust him in that playoff series, should you trust him going forward? And should that, should that mean you're trying to expedite kind of just getting something for him right now? So... Even before uh, acquiring Donovan Mitchell, like you could have viewed Isaac Okoro as a core player, but after they acquired him, I never viewed him as like a core guy. But I never viewed him as a guy like you're readily looking to move, just because it's a dude who's still growing. It's a guy who addresses a lot of needs, especially because I had a lot of questions about the fit between Garland and um, Mitchell heading into last season, and you needed somebody to help you on perimeter defense. And I'm still high on Okoro's upside I'm not as bullish as I was maybe entering as I was entering year three but I think there's certainly potential there for something as a player and as a prospect I just don't know if the Cavs have the time to wait for it to kind of materialize and manifest when we spent a lot of time last week talking about players that could kind of ride out this rotation and provide like playmaking or rebounding or just more importantly uh three-point shooting and if a, if a trade materializes where the Cavs can maybe go get a veteran-type wing to accentuate what they've built with Garland, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen, you have to do, and it costs you Isaac Okoro. Is it a hard conversation? Sure. Uh, I think that's always the case when it comes to the human aspect of these transactions. But you have to at least consider it because you only have so much time left to, like, keep maximizing on this window you've constructed after you acquired Mitchell. Like it's just a weird spot. Um, and what I really don't envy for the players that go through that are kind of still developing and growing or this coaching staff has to go through in terms of just like player development and just figuring out maybe their way as a coach too. Like it, Cleveland is, a, is in a fascinating spot where maybe they became too good, too fast. And guys like Isaac Okoro uh, fell into the wake of it. There are three core players on the team. Darius Garland, Evan Mobley, and Donovan Mitchell. That's your core. Jared Allen is the closest thing you have to a fourth. Everyone else, the coaches can say what they say publicly. Kobe Alma can say what he says publicly. No one else has is like locked in at the right price, the right deal that makes the team better, that further furthers what those core guys are. That's how I think you have to view this. And if they decide this summer that it's time to go move on from Okora and whatever, then they're going to do it. And it wouldn't surprise me if they do it. I don't, again, I don't, I have such a hard time deciding what his value actually should be in, the, you know, in a trademark and much less a contract. I have no idea. It could be very much team by team. It wouldn't shock me if he went somewhere else and figured some stuff out. It, it really wouldn't. I, I think the work ethic with him is real. I think oh, there's a lot of traits in him. And what he does, and I 
believe in. And like he, I think, is pretty well liked in the locker room. I don't think that this is a guy that I, I think like there would be guys in the locker room that miss having him around, even if they understand why you do it from a basketball standpoint. I am fascinated to see just kind of how they approach the summer with him. I, I would, if I was going to be a betting man today on this, no extension, and he's on the team opening day. But I feel more confident in the in the former, and I feel less confident in the latter. I, I don't. You, you could convince me that he is any like various other places next season if they make a deal to get a wing. It just I, we don't. The trade market is going to get weird, and we very much need to see how. July and, and August looks like and the draft night looks like before we kind of I think have a further read on this yeah it's going to be interesting just to see how Cleveland approaches all of this or even how Okoro approaches this too because shoot I feel like none of these players can really be feeling good about themselves after those postseason results and Okoro um is still, like you said, a bit of a question for me. I think it is a case-by-case situation on how much a team is willing to sign him in an extension. I couldn't tell you the foggiest of how much money Cleveland's comfortable uh, committing to him right now, and maybe the LeVert extension kind of gives us a scope of, like, okay, this is how much the Cavs are willing to pay Karis LeVert. It might be a little bit less for Isaac Okoro because the defensive upside is certainly there to counterbalance it, but it it's hard to kind of, like, gauge what his value and worth is just because... He has been stunted development-wise in just more ways than one, and a lot of it was out of his control, sure, and I'm fascinated to see how it goes. I agree with your take that he'll be on the roster opening night heading into this season, like this upcoming season uh, for Cleveland, but I don't know what his future holds beyond that. Like, I would like to think, just because the Cavs are pragmatic and they like to hold on to players they develop, like they probably try to sign into an extension, or... Kobe Alvin, who operates in the shadows, wheels and deals and finds a way to move on from Okoro, maybe when his value is probably at what they perceive is the highest. That is going to be it for this episode of Lockdown Cast for Tuesday, May 23rd. Thanks again to Jake Stevens for producing. Thanks for making Lockdown Cavs your first listen every day. Every day, as we're back tomorrow, we will be talking about Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade, and Jetty Osmond, three other forwards who didn't really lockdown minutes or a solid future with the Cleveland Cavaliers. We'll explain why for all three guys on tomorrow's episode. Be well, enjoy the hoops. Talk to you soon.